You're listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. From pavers to profits, we're focused on the topics that help hardscape professionals find success and level up. Let's get into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Hardscape Growth Show. I'm your host, Alex from TechoBlock, and today we have our first ever returning guest to the show. We have Matt from Hardscape Ottawa. In honor of this repeat appearance on the show, I am wearing a Hardscape Ottawa hat that I got from you at a contractor showcase quite a few years ago. Since then, we've uh, got to know each other quite a bit. We talk a lot. We were just kind of shooting the, the breeze a little bit a couple weeks ago, exchanging DMs on, uh, on Instagram, talking about some of the things that you're working on in your business. And we figured it might be time to do another episode. So Welcome back to the show, Matt from Hardscape Ottawa. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again here, Alex. And that hat is like an absolute collector's item at this point, too. <laughs> there was 50 that went out. Probably 10 of them are destroyed by the sweat of my brow. Uh, you know, Jordan, who works for me, went through quite a few of them. But there's the odd, you know, nice condition one like that floating around. So, yeah, keep uh, keep that thing in good shape because it's uh, tough to get uh, a company to make them with the, so many little details that are on that hat. There right? you there's go. A little side of it. Got the website on the inside of it, yeah. right? Uh, the the patch with the phrase. It's that's a really cool hat. I haven't been able to reproduce that in about seven years. So, <laughs> well, yeah. next time I come rolling through Ottawa, I'm gonna have to get you to sign it. <laughs> Jeez, <man. laughs> you got a pretty nice hat too. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got it in the mail with a nice water bottle too. A little hardscaper. Uh, there you go. Here on the side. There you go. The perks of participating in the things we do on hardscaper.com. So, Matt, the uh, last time we spoke to each other on the show was in February. You were actually episode two of this show. So February 5th is when that one came out for anyone who wants to go back and check it out. But at that time, uh, we were talking about the importance of marketing for your business and what you do for marketing. You know, some things like how you rank as almost always top one, two, three for all organic search rankings uh, in the Ottawa Valley, so in the market that you cover, what you do on social media, how you kind of climb the the rungs of hashtags to gain visibility for your business, how you target both audiences, homeowners and other professionals to really get more eyeballs on there and get the tracks you need. And uh, we were also talking about your website itself and how you had built up a cool little pre-qualification and lead generating tool which is basically like a, a budgeting tool or an estimator for homeowners, right? Yeah, that's it. We kind of present it as our instant estimate tool. Uh, gives a pretty broad range, but uh, the response to that has been incredible. I mean, uh, we'll just be sitting here at basically any given moment and there'll just be a ding. Someone's done a, a response on this, like checking it out, you know, especially Fridays. It really uh, pops off like crazy in the afternoon, like a minimum five a day. I would say people, uh, people punching that in and then, uh, you know, we've been pretty uh, consistently booked with the uh, virtual consultations that uh, you book from that. Uh, basically, booked two months out uh, since February. At uh, this stage, uh, booked two months from now as well, too, to have a chat, to this sort of initial consultation to see if we're a good fit to work together. So, you're averaging five leads from that tool a day on your website? No, not well. Not not necessarily leads. A lot of those people qualify themselves out, right? It's it's five people are doing that instant estimating tool, checking out the price. Okay, feeling there's five prospects coming in, and it's filtering it's filtering them for you. Yeah, yeah, and and, you know, there's 
over the course of this winter, uh, whenever we get a little bit more free time, we're going to be refining that a little bit more too. Uh, a couple different changes to where it spits you out, depending on some of the answers that it gives you uh, to help with that qualification process a little bit. So you said that, you, I mean, obviously you're getting a lot of traction on it and, and Today's episode is not about marketing, but I have to ask the question because you're doing this and, and very few people are, and obviously it's working for you. But how many of those five a day, how many of them turn into like a viable prospect for you? Oh, geez, it's uh, it's tough to say. You know, like the, there's a lot of people that book the consultations that are maybe not quite viable prospects for okay. us. So there's another layer of qualification that you do afterward yeah exactly the the initial consultation is uh, in essence scheduling a phone call with mm-hmm. me where you get to see my face while we're doing it right so there's still uh, some work to be done on that side of it as well and you know really breaking down how our process works to work with us and you know making sure that we're the right fit for the project right it's uh, we it's not to say that you know we're above anything it's more that we're just not going to be competitively priced on certain projects based on our mm-hmm. workforce mobilization and all of that right so it's uh, yeah we want to make sure that we're the right fit but yeah that's definitely some of that still happens uh, through that initial consultation okay so again we weren't prepared to talk about marketing so it's all good if you if you don't have the exact performance stats but it, it's where the um that refining that i was talking about is going to come in over the course of the winter time to kind of lessen even that much uh, and really just that it's the qualified ones i do sort of fear that being booked two months out in advance maybe there is the odd right customer for me that gets scared away by that a little bit right so mm-hmm. that's uh, something that i kind of want to look at and address but uh, okay. there's more pressing issues in the middle of the season <laughs> <laughs> well what i like is this will be year three of tinkering with that tool that you've built and you know that to me kind of speaks to your mindset about your business is it's the the long-term the long game that you're playing. It's not set it and forget it. Like this works great. We'll do something else and we'll just keep adding to it. You you come back to the things that work and you make them better and you make them better and you make them better. And that ties into the subject of today's show, which is how do you make yourself better so that you build a better company for your team and for your customers? One of the things that we, uh, we were talking about and it actually came up around this book, which... We don't get any money for books nope. yet, but, but. <laughs> right now we don't, but, uh, but this book called uh, turn the ship around by, uh, David Marquette. Why don't, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit like how, how we got here? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the, the book kind of covers a whole range of concepts, about leadership that sort of, you know, I, I found out about it online, um, kind of read it and saw a video about the concept of it. And actually a colleague of mine was the one that sort of put me on uh, to that uh, another landscape here in the city of Ottawa. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a number of concepts covered. Uh, the quick, simple versions of it is the kind of given three C's to your employees. It's uh, competency, control, and confidence. So without one of those three C's, then the other ones will sort of lack. The other thing is this sort of... Uh, like ladder of leadership essentially where if people are just sort of working in this land of do as you're told uh there's a lot of room for harm there uh the example that really kind of hammers it home in the book um, the, the author of this book is a, a naval captain who is a captain of a submarine in the u.s navy uh, he was expecting to end up uh, being the captain of this one boat and showed up and ended up being the captain of the lowest ranking boat in the entire navy uh, with the you know, poor, uh, poor staff retention. Uh, no one's really getting promoted. It's just it was not a not a good scene overall. And you know, he, he kind of went about it with the traditional 
leadership tactics that we, maybe we'd be used to of, uh, you know, I know everything and I'll be able to tell you exactly what to do to make this run perfectly. And it, uh, you know, that, that feeds your ego pretty well, but it doesn't do a lot for the productivity and confidence of your employees. Right. So he basically uh, ended up in a situation where he was, you know, finding the guys were performing all right, but he wanted to put a little bit of stress on them and make a, an exercise a little bit more difficult. And he gave an order um, for the boat to do a function that it was just incapable of doing, essentially, or didn't have that that button, that setting. And he gave the order, and his first mate gave the order back, and then the guy sitting at the throttle uh, just kind of sat there and did nothing. And he couldn't understand, like, what the heck's going on here? And he says, well, why didn't you do this? And he says, well, there's no button for that. And then he says to the first mate, did you know there was no button? And he says, yeah, of course, like, I'm really good at my job. I knew there was no button for that says, well, why did you tell him to do that? Well, you told me to do this. And that was actually sort of thing that really resonated me with it is that there was a lot of things where, you know, the intent was not understood of what the final goal was, what the task was met. And then if you say, like, why, why isn't this quite done the way that I expected it to be done? Well, you told me this or you didn't tell me that. So uh, if that sounds sort of familiar to anybody listening, this uh, this is the book to check out. And it gives this sort of ladder of how to increase the emotional maturity of yourself as a leader and the the people who you know traditionally would be looked at as followers but it also goes a lot into the concept of a a leader leader type culture as opposed to a leader follower type culture which is kind of where uh, we all find ourselves in this situation you know that's the that's the go-to that we all know right so let's let's uh let's take a pause from, a lot yeah <laughs> let's take a pause from that part and let let's back up a little bit to some of the challenges that you were having, or I mean, any business owner in the industry continues to have, but you were having particularly, if I, my memory serves correctly, last year, which was hiring people to build the right team. You've kind of tinkered between you know, building your team from scratch, losing some people, having a lot of demand, being good at selling, being good at marketing. So you have the demand. You've tried the subcontractor route. You've come kind of back to having your your own team. You do work with some subs, but you, you, you've come back to, you still need to have your own strong team. You looked inward and said, okay, like, well, what do I need to change to be able to build this, this team better? Because you had been hiring people and what was happening? I guess what was happening is that, uh, and I want to know too, that we, we have a bit of a high turnover rate, but it, it's always generally that people just couldn't, see the reason that why would I want to keep doing this or they would never want to kind of accept the ownership that you're really looking for that is like so tough to to instill into people that you know in that employee relationship that that's basically what I think the biggest struggle was it wasn't a, a lack of care or, or anything like that it was just a, a lack of instilling ownership really uh, and it's not a problem with every single person it's uh, it's problems with the, you know people that we're, we're bringing in, they're just, you know, ah, it's a job. We, that's not, that culture doesn't really work to be building the, the types of projects that we build and, and kind of, and to have the workplace that we want to work at, you know, the, the senior people here at Artscape Ottawa, we want to, we want to have a fun place to work, right? But it's not fun in that uh, world of, you know, tell me what to do and I'll tell you what to do. So, and I think that that was sort of the big problem is it's you know i i'd be able to tell you exactly how to do every single little task that the person would do but until they kind of take ownership of look it needs to end up like this it's never going to be done the way that you want it to be as the the owner or the foreman sort of thing so it, it was going through this process of of hiring people that that showed good promise good potential and 
it not working out in the end because they were never able to take that next step to really truly understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. And like you said, taking ownership of those tasks that, that, you know, if I'm going to be laying the base course of this wall, it's going to be perfect because I'm doing it. Not because my boss is telling me. Yeah. And it's, uh, it can even be broken down into sort of smaller tasks, you know, not to throw anybody under the bus, but I can give some specific examples. We have a patio in place. We're going to be running some lighting up into some plants that are around the, the patio. Okay. And we say, okay, here, we need to get this wire ran. The goal, the intent of it at the end is that we're going to have this wire. It's going to be laid pretty flat so that we can just put some mulch on top of it, hide it really nicely and get that over to the couple lights that are going to the places. So we say to the employee, okay, it's time to go run this wire around the patio. Okay, we leave him to it. He comes back a few moments later, all done. Perfect. We go back and there's just a wire kind of just strewn across the perimeter of the patio with no like attempt to do anything, right? But if we were to say, hey, you know, why, why did you do this? You know, what was your thinking here? Well, you told me to run it around the patio, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, why didn't you think of this? Well, you didn't tell me that. You know, another example would be where there was some river stone that had been installed by the client at their home that ran down the side of the house. But again, we needed to run a landscape wire. Seems to be maybe a point of contention for a while there. But we had to run another landscape wire from the backyard to get lighting up to the front to work with their entire system. And underneath that river stone, there was some stone dust over top of the cloth, the weed cloth. If you're landscaping, that's maybe not the best idea. But, uh, you know, we say, okay, labor, go uh, go move the, the rocks there. We need to get them out of the way. Not, we're going to run a wire here. It needs to look very nice and pretty at the end, right? So go get those out of the way, come back, and it is just a jumbled disaster of stone dust and river stone that you're never going to be able to make look nice again without hauling it all out again, right? So, and again, you know, well, hey, if you go to that, but what happened here? Why is this like this? Well, you didn't tell me not to mix the stuff together. So it gets, it gets very frustrating uh, hearing that it's always your fault whenever other people are not uh, kind of putting their uh, their thought into it, right? So that that's sort of where... Uh, uh, and the reason that I heard about this book that we're talking about here in the first place is basically a uh, same conversation with another colleague of like, look, like this is what's going on. And he was like, hmm, sounds like you need to read this. And uh, sure enough, yeah, some fantastic solutions for it. So th- there's a couple of things there. One being you talked about the challenges you're having with uh, other members of the team. And that's where the suggestion for the book came up. So I think that, that that's, that's cool too, that as the owner of the company, you still show enough vulnerability with with team that you can say like look we're having a problem here anybody know what we should do anybody have any ideas and someone can say well you know what we should probably read this book because it sounds a lot like uh, the problem that i read about when i read the book so that's that's one cool thing is having those conversations with people that that's what makes a stronger team because you have different perspectives different different experiences different skills too but uh, the other thing is you're giving some pretty good examples of, and we can all imagine a million scenarios, anybody who's in any similar position where you told someone to do something and you're like, what the, f- why did you do it like that? Well, that's what you told me to do. And, and and then you get upset with that person. You're like, well, man, like what's wrong with you? Like, you don't get it. Like what? And then you, you, it starts to undermine the confidence and the credibility that that this person has in your eyes 
And the person that you hired that seems to be like, you know, you all thought would be a great fit. After a few weeks, a few months, you're like, man, this guy doesn't know anything. What, what the hell? And it's, 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 it's you, the problem. Well, you know, you know, something that really resonated with me from one of your most recent episodes of this podcast is whenever you said, you know, if you, you take that shovel and shove the guy out of the way, you're not leaving yourself at square one doing that shoveling yourself. You're putting yourself so far back that you'll have to like do it twice. You're, you're you know, putting yourself back that one step further than square one. If you or square one, if you uh, erode that confidence here in employees, that's, that's not a, not productive for you or them. That's it. Yeah. That was from that, that episode, the, the lessons in patience. I was, I was trying to do something different, but yeah, but that's exactly it. it. It's, it's, you end up undermining your, your credibility as a leader, as a business owner, as the boss, uh, as whatever title you want to say, but as a leader, you are, you are demonstrating weakness in character and in patience and ability to lead. And at the same time, you're, you're eroding the confidence of the person that you're asking to do the thing. And the rest of the team too. Now the rest of the team is, is walking on eggshells because the next time you ask them to do something, they better not mess it up. Otherwise, you're going to lace into them next. So it, it, to avoid all that, you mentioned two things. You mentioned the three C's and you mentioned the ladder of leadership. So why don't we break down like your understanding of it and how you applied it so that others who may not have read the book yet can at least take something away from this episode that they could apply right away. Sure. So yeah, that uh, ladder of leadership, it's basically a number of rungs, <laughs> same as a, a lot of things, it seems. Um, but the rungs are, are special, uh, essentially describing the emotional maturity of you as the leader on one side of it, and then the employee, um, which by the way, I want to start calling everybody just hardscapers and really, you know, give uh, that the value of that word, you know, I've, that's one thing that uh, I've kind of wanted to change a little bit is like, these guys aren't workers, they're not employees. We're all hardscapers, right? And there, there's a lot of value in that and ownership of it, you know. Hey, what do you do for work? I'm a hardscaper, right? The people that are accountants, they don't say, oh, I, I work in accounting or, you know, I, I do accounting work. They say, I'm an accountant, so why can't we all be hardscapers? Anyhow. <laughs> That's true. There, there, are different, there are different roles. It, it, accounting's good. Uh, I, I know you and I are both hockey fans, but, like, all the players on the team, they're all hockey That's players. It. There's a first-line center who's super critical to the success of the team in terms of driving offense, but that doesn't necessarily make him more important in a team environment than the, the seventh defenseman who plays every couple of games or the backup goalie. These are just different positions, but they're all hockey players, and they all have a different role to play to support the success of the team. It's the same thing in business. It's the same thing as hardscapers. So uh, I love that, uh, that sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so this ladder of leadership, it's uh, basically, you know, that, that the very bottom rung of this ladder is exactly the, the world that I've been describing the, you know, I'm going to tell you what to do as the leader and tell me what to do as the, the follower in this example. And our goal is to get these people up to the point where they're not followers down here, they're leaders up here. So the system is essentially if you're presented with a follower saying, tell me what to do to kind of give them and take, make them step back a little bit, give, take a little bit of ownership of like, what the heck is going on around me? You follow up with, well, what do you see that could be done right now? Or something of the like, right? And it, and it becomes pretty automatic once you work with this for a little bit too. So then they'll say something along the lines of, oh, I, I see that, you know, maybe the street needs to be swept, something like that. And you'll say, okay, well, you know, um, what do you think we should do about that? You know, so, well, I, th I think we should sweep the street. 
And they'll say, okay, well, do you intend to sweep the street? And they'll say, yes, I intend to sweep the street. And that's a perfect place to get to people. That's, that's about where you want to bring most people up to, uh, to as a kind of main goal, to get them that point in the, in the rungs of that ladder. Uh, it goes on into a few more levels of it where people really take on their own autonomy and they end up in that, that leader section of it where it's, uh, you know, they not only are they intend to do it, they say, I'm going to do this right now. This is what I'm doing. And then they'll, it'll get eventually to the, this is what I'm doing right now, because they're already in the middle of it. They've already flown ahead. And then this is what I've done. And your job as the leader of everything becomes a whole heck of a lot easier if you can progress everybody up to that level of the, uh, maturity with their, their, how they take on their work every day. So basically, this ladder is to gradually build your team from followers into leaders in their own respect. That doesn't mean leaders, um, it doesn't mean turning them into people who then want to leave and lead their own team or want to start their own company or things like that. It, it means that they're, they're more autonomous and more aligned with the goals, the, the objectives, the values of the company and the project and the team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if they wanted to go start off on their own, they'd be very well equipped to do so with all of those skills too. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, make, make but that's it not really the, the desired byproduct. No, right? Because I, I have spoken to, to, to a few different people, not just contractors, just different people who, who have this fear in them that if I invest in my people, if I build them up to X level, that they're going to become so strong and so confident that they're going to want to go off on their own and I'm going to lose them. So I'm better to have them weaker because then I control them. And that, that's, that's a fear mindset. That's a scarcity mindset. And that, that breeds a negative team atmosphere, a negative team culture where you end up always being in that position where you always have to tell them what to do because they don't know. It's not because they're dumb. You just never showed them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that it's uh you know, the, the whole thing with everybody, like, it's, it's kind of a cliche thing that tons of people have quoted before, but like, you know, what happens if you don't train them, right? Or what happens if you don't give them that autonomy? It's, uh, that's far scarier than, you know, someone going and being successful around their own. That's, you know, yeah, that's <laughs> something to be applauded, not necessarily uh, something to be scared of, you know? Yeah. So let, let's come back to this ladder. So it starts at the bottom, this tell me what to do. Is basically what the, the follower is is saying. So this is what the uh, the fellow hardscaper on the site is is going to be saying when they're not initiated to this process. And and it's important that you as a leader are intentional with this and are and are clear with the questions that you ask from that point. So they say, "What do I do now?" You the next step for you instead of telling them go do this is well, what do you think we should do next? Is that right? Sorry, what, what, the next step would be, what do you see? What do you see? And that's where you okay. kind of take them into a step back, take a look around. What's going on here? You know, how can you fill in somehow? So yeah, the, the next okay. step would be, what do you see? So you're, you're, you're zooming them out of that immediate moment where like, I just put down the first course of block, let's say, or, or we'll take your example. I just put down the, that, that, that low voltage wiring like you asked me to, right? The thing you're asking them is, well, what do you see? And then from there, 
once they see a couple of things, they start pointing them out. Like there's bags of mulch over there, or there's a pile of mulch in the drive with it, but we we're going to have to bring around back at some point to cover up this wiring. There's the connectors to attach the fixtures. We're going to have to do that at some point. Do, do you want me to do that? Like we're, we're role playing right now. Like, is that kind of what happens? It's like, they'll, they'll start pointing things like, should I do that? Should I do this? So do you, you want me to do that? If they're pointing at this, 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 my next step is going to say, well, which one do you think would be the, the best suited to your skill set and best suited to getting the project finished at this stage? So the, the next, okay. step, it's just that it's basically the first part of the question being, what do you see? What do you think? You know, what do you intend working your way up? Um, followed by whatever is not robotic to actually be like, what are we dealing with right now? Right. To really actually be coaching for that moment, just not generically coaching everything. Right. But yeah. So, you know, what, what if, if someone were to say, Oh, you know, I see that the mulch is over here. I see that these connections over here. I may say, well, what, what do you think we should do first on that? Do you think we should do the mulch first uh, or should we do those connections? And then they'll say, Oh, well, you know, uh, whatever. I think that we should do the mulch and like, okay, well, why do you think that? Or, you know, I, I think we should do the connections first. Well, why do you think that? And that's sort of a point where you can coach them through a little bit. And it's like, well, we should probably do those connections first because we're going to have to dig through the mulch to get at those connections later on, yeah. right? So, but you don't necessarily want to give them that answer. But you want to kind of, well, what do you think, right? And mm-hmm. it, it's uh, empowering to to give, be given a chance to think about what's going on too instead of just running around like a chicken with your head cut off hoping to do the right thing, you know? That's it. So, so let's talk about some of those those intangibles that you're referring to when you're saying it's empowering. What are what are some of the impacts that you've seen since learning this and applying it? To be honest, uh, one of our laborers that's with us right now, he's been with us the last few months, uh, whether he knows it or not, that we've been doing this to him. He's actually like the best performing, like best, like cares about what the heck is going on trying to find what to jump in on at least uh, and really uh, enthusiastic about being a part of the team way more so than we've seen from any other employees for the past uh, kind of run for a while there this is all uh, relatively new to me for as sure well, right for so sure. it's uh, yeah. you know it's something we talked about we're, we're discussing yeah. new ideas here and that's sort of what helps for like, how those ideas work for us but you know it's uh, definitely seen some improvements seen uh, a little bit less frustration out of the foreman who's been uh, implementing some of these techniques. Okay, so he's been well. doing it too. Yeah. Did you did you teach him that, mm-hmm. or is or is, he, is yeah, hundred percent? And I coach him on it all okay. the time and, as well because I know that, um, like myself, I, I I tend to answer questions with questions a lot, uh, regardless because I wanna I wanna know if what I'm about what I think we should do next is actually what we should do. So I want to get the other opinions before I, I weigh in on it. But I also know that in more pressure situations, like the more, you know, we're squeezed for time or we have to deliver this or things are going wrong or whatever, the more you kind of want to default to like, you got to like, just go do that right now. Like, oh no, like we're, we're late. The truck's coming. Okay. You do this, you do this, you do this. Do you catch yourself falling kind of backwards in, in, in that uh, sense or do you find your foreman or other members of your team? Like, how do you make sure that you get this actually rolling and it doesn't become a thing that you do once in a while? Yeah, it's it's actually really tough to fall back into it. And it's always on like the little small things like, hey, do you want me to put this in your truck? Like, you know, is right to like, yeah, just put it in the truck. You know, that's <laughs> pretty that it's that, well, there goes the lost coaching opportunity in a sense, right? But, uh, but, it, uh, but I like the way you just said that though. It's a coaching opportunity. So if you're looking at it through that lens, 
that they're coaching opportunities all the time instead of questions to answer, then maybe that's part of the key to, to keeping that mindset more open to that. Yeah, absolutely. The way that I kind of look at it in like the sense of maybe not so applicable to the pressure situation, I'm not exactly sold that there's any such thing as in a landscape emergency. But, uh, you know, basically the way that I kind of put it to my top guys is like, look, like if you have this guy doing something, and it's going a lot slower than you'd like it to be going or, you know, they're not doing it the way that you want to see it. You kind of have two options. You can either kind of, you know, take over from there, do it yourself. It was still slow because someone was working on it. And then now you had to work on it too. Or step back, use that as that, again, coaching moment, really make sure that they get a grasp of how to complete that. And then hopefully the next time that you're doing that task, they can do it themselves, right? So it's basically no matter what, in that moment, whatever you're trying to do, it's going to go slow, whether you choose option A or choose option mm-hmm. B, which one's going to put you in a better place next week, right? Yeah. And that's coming back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, that long-term vision that you have for your company. It's not get the job done, make it the most profitable today. It's build the business for success for the future, all these other things fall into place when you're just, you you have kind of that guiding light and you know where you're going. Yeah, absolutely. Have you had feedback from your, uh, have you had feedback from your, your team members? Like you've seen the improvements, you've seen the, the, the change in people have, have they given you feedback? Yeah. As I said, uh, Jordan, who's the foreman, he's, uh, he's really liking this new guy quite a bit too. So he's singing his praises. Absolutely. And it's, uh, I don't know whether he realizes it or not that it's uh, what we're doing here that's putting it together. Maybe it is or it isn't that, but uh, you know, it's. Uh, I'm hoping that it is, and I'm hoping that uh, yeah, it continues to to see rewards. Well, it's that positive reinforcement too, right? If it's working and people are happy and it's enjoyable and you're seeing the results, well, you, you're gonna. But you know, a key from just from my experience is make sure you're talking about it too, right? Make sure you're having the conversations, like especially with with your foreman, but with with the rest of the team as well, about how you're trying to do this. And and these are the improvements that you've seen. But getting that feedback from them, you know, you're talking about that ownership, and you want them all to become better leaders. That two way conversation is critical to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. that's my un- unsolicited advice to you. Right <laughs> yeah, now. but that's that's what I would do if I were in your shoes. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, it's always an ongoing conversation, and you know, learning along the way myself as well is a big part of that. To you know, see what works, what doesn't, because it's you know, essentially there's kind of work through. Like uh, the businesses will always have a next problem, right? The first is, oh, how do I get the work? How do I make the money? How do I get the guys? How do I do this? How do I do that? And eventually, kind of, I found you end up at this one where it's like. You know, you start looking at like, what does the culture really mean? And it's not necessarily like barbecues with the boys on Fridays. It's uh, a lot more of like, what is the the whole like work culture of what happens while everybody's there? And, uh, you know, if, uh, if it's just sort of people standing around scratching their butts, waiting to be told what to do, it's it's not a fun place. It's not a, the sort of thing that you want customers looking out the window at. It's... Uh, you know, whereas if everybody kind of knows their role to fill in is always looking for the next step that they can be taking and buzzing around like little bees, it's a, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty impressive show, right? Absolutely. And I think that that, uh, that speaks a lot to the value of the company too. The, there is a philosophy on, on business. So like you, you start a company to one day sell it. If the company lives and dies with every order that you bark out, you don't have a company. Yeah. You have you yeah. and you can't sell yourself. So having a team of people that know what to do next all the time 
and are asking themselves those questions puts the company in a better shape for that eventual sale too, because it, it, it has more value. It has people and systems and other assets like equipment and, and property and things like that. But the most important part, all those other things that are there's, I mean, the, the property is an appreciating value. Everything else is a, is a depreciating asset. So the only real value of a business is the systems and the people. And if you build good systems because you have good people and you build good people because you're focused on these types of things, then you're setting yourself up for real success. And it's, uh, I think it's the sort of thing too, where you really need help building those systems. It's not a, it's not a one person job to create those systems in a, in a business. It no. needs to be no, you, need, you need the involvement of everyone. 100%. That's it. They're the ones that execute the systems. Yep. So they have to have a say in it mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you, you mentioned learning a few times. And like I said, at the beginning, you have a bunch of books. In fact, this, this whole episode here started because you sent me a picture of your bookshelf, yeah. which sits above your video game shelf. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll talk about the full collection, the multiple decades worth of NHL games at a later time. <laughs> but in terms of the books, we hit turn the ship around. We talked about the importance of that. What are a couple of your, your favorites, the standouts that, that you have that have made a lasting impact on you and your company? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, one that I, I've talked about on other podcasts, too, is uh, Profit First for Contractors by Sean Van Dyke. That one is like a mock read. Uh, it's tons of, uh, tons of guys will swear by that one. It really kind of gives you a different mindset how you look at the financials of your company, right? And it's uh, making sure that you're actually getting paid. It's, it's uh, that's important. Um, I mean, that's kind of a big part, yeah. Some other ones... Uh, Geez, I almost need to go take a look at the bookshelf. Uh, my Haynes Manual, uh, Camaro, nineteen seventy to nineteen eighty. I was going to ask uh, you about I that. A lot of time in that book. <laughs> 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 um, the uh, the pumpkin plan was a, a pretty good one. Just kind of talking about making sure that you're putting your resources into the people that are going to be uh, the right fit for who's your uh, your client and your business. That's a pretty good read. The E-Myth, that's an interesting one that really broke yep. down sort of what you yep. touched on. If you're just parking orders at people and that's your company, there's not much in the way of a company there, right? So. It's not really a pretty cover, yeah. but uh, it's this one here. The uh, uh, I'm trying to get the light right. There you go. So Gerber is the author. This is his last name. That's the E-Myth. This one is the E-Myth for Landscape Contractor. Is that the one you read or just the E-Myth in general? No, I haven't, I haven't gotten into that okay. one yet, though, though I've meant to. I'm sure there's some stories I can relate to yeah. in there. <laughs> so, yeah. But that one, that one but, uh, what, uh, for those of, those of the audience not familiar with the E-Myth, well, what, what matters in that one? Why are you recommending that one? Yeah, essentially, it's just a breakdown of sort of the, the entire – you know, most of us that start landscape companies, we don't have business degrees. We have sore hands from laying bricks. So we go into it and think, oh, I'm going to go work for myself. And, you know, we might be the best technician at what we do, which is a term that comes up in that book quite a bit, you know, the best landscape builder. But that does not equate to having the best business by any means, right? And it's uh, there's a lot of other stuff that you know, people are sort of fooling themselves into thinking that they're entrepreneurs whenever they really just have like this job that absolutely consumes your life. You end up uh, working for less pay for uh, an absolutely insane boss that makes you work 80 hours sort of things. So yeah. It's, uh, I worked for that guy for a couple of years. It's, it's not good. So, so that book is really identifying kind of the, 
the different uh, roles that you need to play or that that you need to have on your on your team. You need to play too, especially when you're getting started. But it, you can't always default to your natural position, which may be the one that got you started. Like you said, the the, the technician, which is I have the skills, I know how to build it. But if you're not working on the other parts of a successful business, you just have a job. Yeah, and it's uh, you're working for yourself, but it's it's just a job. It's only a few years down the road into it, in my experience, that it becomes like you can't do both jobs anymore. It's it's actually impossible to be able to be like dealing with the clients and the designs and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. And you really need to kind of pick a fork, like which of these jobs am I going to maintain? You know, which hats do I need to pass to other people? Is it, uh, you know, and, and generally... The whole reason that most people started the business was that they wanted to pass that building hat and move on to the, they they enjoyed the other stuff. You know, if you want to just build the stuff, it's a lot easier to not have to like deal with the clients and deal with the ordering and blah, blah, blah. All those things are like time consuming and stressful. So it's, uh, you know, as I said, you have to kind of pass those hats off. It's kind of tough to be a a very sunny and charming uh, personality with the clients whenever you've been sweating for 14 hours that day, right? Yeah, that's true. What are the hats that you decided to keep wearing versus the ones that you've handed off? Um, so all the sales, uh, is uh, I take care of all that still at this point. That seems, kind of looks to me like it will actually be the toughest hat to ever pass off in this business uh, is kind of the way I'm looking at it right now. Um, but okay. Why do you say that? Just because I feel that it's a lot of it is a... You know, while I have the, I have the backup of I've built this stuff for 15 years, but also I have a very strong like handle of how like structure of sales and dealing with objections and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I have a background in that uh, for every landscape. I did a door to door sales job, getting people to sponsor kids in third world countries. So I would essentially show up at a person's door and be like, "Hey, can I have thirty dollars a month for a feeling?" And, you know, that's not exactly an easy sell, but uh, now I've translated that. Uh, I mean, you could argue, we, it depends how philosophical we want to get, but ultimately most of what people sell is just feelings. Of course. It's, and that, but that, it, a beautiful house, a fancy sports car, a vacation, uh, a watch, uh, even the clothes that you wear. <laughs> it's, it's, these are all, these are all feelings. So yeah, no, and the, I guess the the one that, I, that what I see different about is that there is at least the tangible thing beside it, most of those purchases that you mentioned. Whereas this is like strictly yeah. like you're you're gonna get a picture and you know a warm fuzzy feeling in your heart that maybe twenty percent of your donation is gonna help a child in an impoverished country, right? Um, so that's sort of the the ugly side of that is not all that money actually goes to those kids, which is why it didn't last long enough. Um, but uh, my heart wasn't quite in it, you know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, so it's, you know, basically we were like hammered sales techniques into our heads in that job, most of which, especially all of the pressure things are things I've abandoned, but really just having a, an understanding of how that whole process works and how, how that all works. It's, you know, I, I'm very good at selling stuff, very good at selling my passion and the vision. And uh, to then have the, the technical background to back that up, it's sort of tough to find someone that has uh, that that's that together right yeah so that's something that you feel that you do better than most people that that you meet that you could hire it's something that you uh not only are you good at but you you seem to enjoy doing it like just you know just just listening to your voice and just the, the way you get a little more excited when you're talking about that part 
So that's that's a hat that you kept. Uh, what are some of the other hats that you 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 still wear? So I still do the estimating, okay, um, which is something that I'm trying to systemize a little bit more to make a little simpler and maybe take off my plate a little bit. And then the general manager is still sort of the the biggest hat that I feel I wear most days. You know, still wearing the sort of project manager hat a little bit, but sharing the duties a bit. But uh, yeah, trying to kind of set all those up uh, even more solid in the not so distant future. So what have you officially handed off in full and why? Uh, designs. That's uh, that's off my plate at this point. Uh, I, I still have some say in them and still, you know, consult on what the design is going to look like. Uh, and then obviously I, I have a hand in that because I, I'm doing the consultation with the clients. I'm you're, the one. You're, you're facing the client. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sort of liaising between that. Um, <clears throat> the basically any and all of the sort of accounting and payroll stuff. Um, that's uh, out of my hands at this point. And then, you know, the majority of the on-site stuff, but that's not to say that I don't still get my hands dirty and go help the boys out uh, a couple of days a week sort of thing. I still enjoy that stuff too. It's just that I almost, I watch the seconds tick away of all the other things I'm supposed to be doing, not getting done while I'm doing that sometimes. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, the uh, so, you know, most of the labor, most of the driving, the accounting stuff, uh, the design stuff, that's all the... Uh, sort of off my plate and uh, I take care of the rest. Okay. So the things that are that may not not necessarily simpler to execute but they 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 don't necessarily tie into like what the core of the brand is so to speak. Like it's like when people interact with Hardscape Ottawa, they're interacting with you. And you're the you're the, the the general manager of the business, and that that becomes important in terms of determining the budget and how that gets spent and what the objectives are for the company moving forward. But the other things that are kind of more interchangeable, I don't want to say interchangeable. I'm not I don't I'm not sure exactly how to say this, but like the construction side, construction remains construction. There there are set procedures and, and methods and, and tools and techniques that get used and materials and, and all that. That's that's kind of dictated. So there's an execution aspect to it. Uh, accounting. There's there's accounting principles. Like it's just, it's just you just follow the rules and, and make sure the formulas in your Excel sheets work properly. And and you know I know it's more it's more complicated than that, but there's still it's very set in advance. The logistics component, uh, even, even the project management, like you said, you, you do a little bit of it. Because you're still dealing with the customers, so you still got to manage the calendars and their expectations and everything. But most of it is pretty much, it has a process, it has a system, it's following it, so I can hand that off. Is that something that was intentional, or is that something that that we're just kind of discovering now as we're talking about it? Like the things that are just, they're black and white, hand it off. The things that are really gray and fuzzy, you still continue to handle until they're black and white. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional. Um, I, I definitely see your point here, though, that it is that way. Yeah, I guess it's just sort of, I mean, some of that stuff, like the, the accounting stuff, was never a strong point of mine. It's it's not something that I necessarily enjoy, um, and though extraordinarily necessary and important to the business, right? So uh, that, that was definitely something that, that I needed to offload off mine. Um, the building... Yeah, it's uh, that's it. Is it, that was always sort of the goal was to kind of grow the company to a couple crews, four crews, you know, get get up there. But uh, 
you know, we've always sort of seen the two steps forward, one step back and working our way up to that. I guess, I guess it sort of is that it is really easy to just sort of say like, look, like this is how this is done, you know, have at it sort of thing where all this other stuff, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of gray area. Uh, and one thing that I didn't mention that I still very much wear the hat that is definitely gray area as well is the marketing of the business too, right? So that's a whole other, uh, yeah, lots of gray that's, uh, it's very experimental too. Right. Always learning. Uh, well, yeah, for sure. And it's normal too, I, I think, especially for someone who's trying to grow their company. If you're going to keep growing, what got you here isn't what's going to get you there. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you need to experiment. You need to try new things. That's on the marketing side. That's on the sales side too. Yeah, you know, you, you try things in sales too. Even just th- things like raising your prices. Mm-hmm. You know, they may seem like a, a very like okay. Well, let's just let's do the math, and that's the number. And if I want to make more, well, then I'll raise the price. You're experimenting. You don't know what the reaction is from the market, from your clients, and all that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm always kind of tinkering with the numbers and, you know, making sure that it's uh, always going to be profitable. And that's nice about having the numbers behind you on the accounting is you can look and see if it was or not. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's very interesting all that, basically, to see kind of how it all goes around. Yeah. But that's what makes that that's what makes business fun is, is all those different problems, all those different challenges. Fine. Analyzing the situation with as much data and, and experience as you can. And where you don't have hard data, you need to go get feedback from people. And that's another benefit coming back to the leadership conversation of of building a strong leadership environment within your company and having a team of leaders. Because the more that they lead, the more that they assume ownership and responsibility for all of the things that they're involved with, the more that they are in a position to uh, think about them more. And when you ask for feedback, you can get something that's a little more thoughtful because they're thinking about it as they're doing it because you've you've empowered them to do it. And, and it even probably, well, not probably, I know it does. It leads to more proactive feedback too, where they could tell you like, hey, uh, you may or may not be aware of this. You may be looking at this or, or not right now, but I'm telling you that we can do this this much better if we were able to do this instead, whether it be a tool or whether, you know, like ideally if we had another person we could do this. We could set up where an excavation crew comes in and does this part, and then we can just handle the hardscaping. And by my math, we'd be saving you know an extra 5% on our production, so we'd be getting the jobs done that much faster. When you start having members of your team coming at you with those suggestions, man, like it gets a lot easier because you're not solving all the problems anymore. Your team is helping you solve those problems, and you're doing it together, which is way more fun. Oh, yeah. You can't help but smile at a person that comes to you with an idea that's going to make you both richer, right? That's it. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> that's it. Matt, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the time. We've, uh, we've done about 45 minutes here. It always goes super fast. We didn't talk about the three C's. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Just kind of uh, tease that out. Is that from the same book? Yeah, that's from that book. And actually, uh, a lot more of the core concept of it than that laddership one. The laddership one is sort of a supplementary kind of tool that works uh, with his website from it. But the, the three C's being that that confidence, control and competency, it's like basically like, yeah, putting them in the position where they have the power to make decisions, right? And, and the big thing with that, actually, as described in that book, is pushing the authority to the information instead of the information to the authority. Uh, you know, an example of that, of like, like what we've talked about, is that, that 
that Riverstone, for example, you know, the because the foreman didn't say or I didn't say, you know, oh, if there's river st- if there's stone dust in that river zone, you have to be very careful, blah blah blah. Whereas if that person, you know, felt that they had that authority at that time to say, Oh, geez, I'm starting to pull this up and there's all this stone dust, it kind of looks really badly. Maybe I should do something different, right? So that's pushing that that authority down there and saying like, yes, you do have the power to do something different than exactly as you were told, right? As, as long as it's moving us towards that end goal where it's very important that the, the leader's intent is understood, but giving up that control through those tools sort of thing, uh, well, giving that control to them, I mean to say, <clears throat> and then obviously, you know, giving them the confidence to, to be able to do that, um, which comes in with the being able to coach them through the difficult process of figuring out what the heck should I be doing next without and I'd say, well, why can't you figure out what the heck you should be doing next, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, that's uh, giving that confidence, that 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 control, and then, uh, yeah. The, um, and that's what builds the competency, too, because they learn exactly. how to do different things because they identify, like, oh, this thing needs to be done. That's, that's sort of the, the end result of it all. Yeah. yeah. That's, well, it makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. And, and again, like the example that you gave with the, the low voltage line for the lighting and the stone dust and the stone and all that, like it makes sense. Like if the goal, and, and this is where that communication, which I know is not part of the three C's, but like it's, it's the base of everything, but that communication of like, what are we doing? If you just say like run the wire, they got to run the wire because they don't know why we're running the wire. But like if we're saying, look, our goal is today, we have run the wire, we've connected all the, the fixtures, we've positioned them properly, we've uplit all the plants, and we've covered everything up with, and we're reusing the existing Riverstone, all of a sudden, it's a lot clearer. Like, if that starts at the beginning of the day, when you ask the question, like, well, what do you see? What should we do next? What do you intend to do? It, it graduates very quickly into the, the later stages of that ladder, where it's like, well, here's what I've done, and here's what I'm doing now, and here's what I'm going to do next. Because they, they, they've mapped it all out because you told them at the end of the day, this is what we want. Yeah. And that, that's spot, <clears throat> that, that spot in that ladder that where they're hitting that I intend to, the last little spot before they're up in leader world, that I intend to is a powerful communication tool because it, it announces like they're not off on their own doing it. A team member, whether it's a leader or another team member, may pipe up and say, well, hey, maybe that doesn't make sense to do right now because I'm trying to get this done. And that might overlap with that. So how about we do this, right? So having people walk around, and this is something that we're still very actively working on, this I intend to, uh, and really really use that as a powerful tool instead of, well, what do you want me to do? Or, you know, I think we should do this. Say, I intend to do this. It means that you've already stepped back. You've thought about what could be done. You, You know, you've looked around. You sort of see what you think to the best of your knowledge. Then there's no shame when someone says, well, hey, maybe I have this other piece of information that you didn't know about that may affect that decision. But you don't that sort of that that problem where stuff overlaps or people step on toes trying to do one thing over another thing because of that open communication with it, right? Yeah, I that that's key. I'm happy we hit this point because you know it, it's like a ladder. Well, I mean, I'll just tell you, like in my head, like if you say here's the ladder, my goal is to get to the top. Like I'm, I'm a competitive person and I and I want to win. So like automatically, my thing was like, well, we gotta get people up the ladder as quickly as possible. But that's not the goal. The goal is to get them to progress up the ladder at their pace, at the pace that is right for them. And that's a key thing. That intent to bit of communication is critical. Like you just helped me understand that. How often 
does that communication happen? Like, are you like, is it something you're asking? Like, what, what do you intend to do next? Or is it something like every hour, every a break at lunch at afternoon break? Like, how do you, how do you do it? So as I said, that that's something we're still trying to kind of implement a little bit right now. It uh, doesn't happen nearly as much as I would like, but uh, maybe that's a good point for the meeting tomorrow morning sort of thing. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Well, it's good though, but it, it's, it's a work in progress. And, and even if it's in a book and they map it out, like exactly, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's, what's going to work for you and your company and your team. So you do need to be able to, to tinker and adapt and, and, and figure it out. But, but, you know, creating those communication opportunities is something that I, at least personally, that I have learned you need to make time for. And, and I'm the first one to admit that I'm, I'm, I'm very much guilty of not making enough time for it. And that only, you only really enforce that lesson when you have those opportunities, when you are getting that, that, that feedback or, or having that communication then you're like, wow, that was really useful. That was really good. I'm really glad we did it. And then you find yourself kicking yourself like, why don't we do this more often? And, and it's, it's, if there's one piece of advice I can give, honestly, everything you said is, is amazing. I, I learned uh, <laughs> as much in this episode as I'm sure you did in that book. But if there's one thing that I, I can share with you is, is, you know, create the opportunities, create the environment that allows for that communication to happen more uh, frequently. And I, I feel that that would help because just listening to you, like, y- you know, too, every time, like, just you're, you're trying to do it and across the team and people are saying, I intend to do this. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. before you do that, I think we should do this. That's what builds a stronger team where everyone's looking out for everything because everybody knows what we want at the end. And they're going to figure out the best way there. And when you can get a team doing that, well, all of a sudden, you're not doing a little bit of the project management. You're not doing any of the project management anymore. And now you're focusing on other business problems. And that's what takes your company to the next level again. That's it. And that's basically how I, I ended up reading all these books over the years. Is every single time there's, well, what do I need to solve now? Oh, this seems like there might be some concepts in there I can take or use or build upon or whatever, right? So, yeah, that's... That, that's what makes it the most fun. It's, it's You solve a problem and it opens your eyes to a new problem, a bigger one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they keep getting bigger. <laughs> How many years have you been uh, running Hardscape Ottawa now? This is year seven. Year seven. Are you where you thought you would be when you started? Oh, gee. It's, uh, you know what? I, I almost jumped into this not knowing what to expect. I didn't realize where the industry would be at this stage whenever I started the company, for being completely yeah. honest. It's, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that how how big this outdoor living space thing would absolutely explode mm. right so you know in hindsight i started the company a little bit more of just like we're gonna build your brick really 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 well now we're very much transitioned to being a complete design build outdoor living space company that you know through our team and through our trusted subcontractors build like you're, as soon as you get past the siding of your house we'll take it from there i guess i didn't expect to be here because I didn't know that here would exist, um, but it's been pretty cool, kind of growing into this with uh, with the industry and with everybody else, right? What's uh, what's the next big challenge you're trying to uh, solve? If I can ask that question, 
just just getting it's it's really all just about people that's all that i'm thinking about right now it's just the people that work for us i mean like we're we're in this point where we have this huge influx of work everybody in the industry is so busy like the marketing is doing its job the sales it's doing its job everything is running perfectly the only thing holding back from growth is people right you know there's we can kind of postulate all day about like, oh, if you go get this vacuum lifter and you go get this and you go get that, well, now you're going to be so much more efficient. Well, you still need someone who gives a crap what that looks like once it's put down to be operating that vacuum and to be operating that. And if we don't bring in the, the kids right now uh, that, you know, come push wheelbarrows for a little bit or whatever it is, even though we don't really push that many wheelbarrows, we are mostly automated. It, you know, if we don't start bringing them in, really building those people up uh, in the industry right now, there's not going to be anybody to run those machines whenever we do have the robots. And it's, again, you could, you're going to have more robots than people and there won't be people to run those robots and that's no good. So uh, I'm, I'm very, you know, while I'm a big proponent of all these pieces of equipment, like absolutely, you still need someone to run. And uh, so I'm, I'm just very focused on people, you know, in the, in the short term and then what that also means in the, in the longer term too. Yeah. Well, I think that's really smart. That, that is the greatest challenge that, that we have as an industry as a whole. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like you can have all the machines, all the tools, all the equipment, all the techniques, everything. If you don't have the right people, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But one of the big benefits um, is the fact that all these tools and equipment and new techniques and new materials, uh, they're diversifying, or at least they're giving us the opportunity to diversify the talent pool. It doesn't need to be a bunch of guys who work construction who or they're 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 athletes they're they're weightlifters they're they're big strong dudes like it it doesn't need to be that anymore and we can have men and women we can have big and small everybody if they have the right values the right work ethic they can be successful in the right company and uh, i think what you're focusing on focusing on being a better leader for your your company and recognizing that the biggest key to the future success of your company is in the people and figuring out how to get the best people and how to give them the environment to have the most success and enjoy their time uh, working as a hardscaper at Hardscape Ottawa. I think that's like, uh, I would agree with that. Like that's, that's where your focus needs to be. Like you said, you're, you're running a great company. Your marketing is great. Your sales are great. Your designs are great. The revenue is coming in. Your customers are thrilled. Focus on building a better team. Not that your team's not good, but it's, there's always room for improvement, you know? Things can always be improved on without looking at it as it's it's broken, you know? That's you, right. You can tinker with things that are not completely broken down. And that's, uh, that's, that's right. kind of the the nice thing about that. You don't have to look at it, oh, well, this is trash, so I just need to rebuild it. So, well, you know, this is awesome, but how can I make it better? How can I make it better? How can I make it better? Which is, yeah. you know, we, we took that into, you know, how do we build these landscapes too, right? It's kind of everything. That's, uh, you know, if you're looking at things like that all the time in your life, you be successful one way or another for sure. I would agree. All right. We, uh, we covered a lot of ground, man. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add? Oh, jeez. I mean, I've, I've spewed out more than I ever thought I would already. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always, uh, always fun talking with you, Matt. I know that, uh, like I said, we, we exchange a lot of messages on Instagram too. And it's, it's cool. It's cool for me in all honesty, it's cool for me to see the evolution of your company and the evolution of you as a, as a, as a business person too. The, the things that you're improving on the things that you're learning and the, you know, 
we talk often and often you're talking about a challenge that you're facing. And every time we talk, it's a much more complicated problem <laughs> than the last time. So that means the business is progressing and so are you. So uh, honestly, I'm, I'm proud. To, uh, having met you then when you were getting started and seeing where you are now, like uh, good job, man. I'm, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Mark. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it for uh, this week's episode, guys. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining us. That's uh, at Hardscape Ottawa on Instagram. That's still the best way to reach you if uh, people want to shoot you a message. Yeah, absolutely. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you want some recommendations for your bookshelf too. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and w- you know what? Let's do this. When this episode comes out, which will be uh, in middle middle to late August, uh, when this one comes out, we'll make sure we tag you and you make sure that you, you post or put in your story a uh, picture of your bookshelf. Let's do that. We can do that. All right. Okay. So uh, thanks a lot for joining us once again. And uh, until uh, next week, everybody, work hard, pave harder. This has been the Hardscape Growth Show. This episode is brought to you by Hardscaper.com. The Hardscaper mission is to empower industry professionals with the skills, inspiration, and confidence they need to take their businesses to new heights. Struggling with training programs for your team? Looking for helpful tips to build a better company? Subscribe today to gain access to hours of interactive, on-demand hardscape construction and business courses for free. Plus, members gain access to virtual educational events, special offers, and fantastic prizes from our partners. Visit hardscaper.com today and let us help you pave your way to greater success. You've been listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time, work hard and pave harder.